You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So today we're um, doing a standalone uh, message called The Good in the Bad. The Good in the Bad. How many know that sometimes life throws us bad situations? Has anybody been in one? Maybe you're going through one right now. You could raise both hands, right? You know, sometimes there's some things that are less than desirable. But there's also, during those situations, some good things that we could learn. Would you agree? God has a way of teaching us, in bad moments, some good things. And so that's what we're talking about uh, today. Because even though um, I don't think any of us would voluntarily go through a bad situation, they happen. In fact, Jesus says, in this world you're going to have what? Trouble. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But we have a hope in Christ, so that really helps us. But I'm not sure if any of us would volunteer to go through a job loss, which I've been there, or uh, an income loss. Again, same kind of thing. A house, losing a house or a place of residence. Been there. You know, all kinds of different things. Maybe it's a relationship problem. Whatever it is, there might be some bad things that happen. But I want us to keep in mind today that there also could be some good things that we could learn in those bad situations. Can I get an amen on that? So listen to this story about a Chinese farmer. The Chinese farmer gets a horse, and the horse soon runs away. And a neighbor said, that's bad news. The farmer replies, good news, bad news. Who can say? So the horse comes back and brings another horse with him. Good news, you might say. Well, the farmer gives the second horse to his son who rides it, then is thrown and badly breaks his leg. So, 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 so the neighbor says, so sorry for your bad news. And then the, the farmer replies, good news, bad news, who can say? In a week or so, the emperor's men come and they take every able-bodied young man to fight in a war. The farmer's son is spared. Good news, of course. So how many of us has had something like that happen where it might have been a bad situation and it turned into a good one? Or we thought it was going to be terrible and it turned out better than what we thought. I know I have. Because it's not turned out always the way that I wanted it to. Uh, Because God's plan for our life is like that sometimes. He takes us down a road. He equips us. He trains us. He teaches us. He gives us wisdom and discernment and insight into situations we wouldn't normally have come into contact with. And I can look back on my own life and say, man, I'm glad I went through that hard time because I would not know how to trust God had it been not for that job loss or that income loss or fill in the blank for you, whatever it is. But my faith and my trust in God, He can turn it into a good one. Pastor Rick Warren says this, God's ultimate goal for your life on earth is not comfort, but character development. He wants you to grow spiritually and become like who? Jesus Christ. So our goal on on this earth is to glorify God. That would be our sole purpose, I think. But it's also to learn and to grow and then to teach others that same, just like we talked about. But it's the undesirable processes in our lives that can bring about the priceless product of a transformed life. So today we're going to be reading out of 1 Peter chapter 1, 6-9. If you want to turn there, or you can look with us on the screen. But we're going to read about this situation in Scripture. And it says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, 
though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, if you read that, it may not sound that uh, bold and reassuring, if you will, but Peter writes this letter because the early Christians here have met violent opposition. And they were being persecuted for their faith. They were being tortured and locked up in prison and things like that. And so Peter's writing this letter to say, hey, I'm encouraging you, keep the faith, persevere, don't give up, because Jesus Christ is going to reveal something in you that can't be taken away. It's precious, and it even says it's worth more than gold. How many know that gold's kind of expensive? It's, a, it's one of those precious metals, if you will. He says it's worth more than that. And so while sometimes we are concerned and consumed with growing our net worth and our bank account and those kinds of things that we are all concerned with, uh, Christ's not concerned with that as much as He is growing our faith bank, if you will. Our faith bank that will determine our quality of life. It has eternal value, and just like the Scripture said, it's going to be rewarded. It's our faith. You see, every problem that we face can be character building if we allow it to. It can also be negative for us if we allow it to. But it can be a Christ-forming opportunity, and the more difficult the problem is, the greater the potential can be for spiritual growth. It can build spiritual, is what the quote is here, muscle and moral fiber. If you think about that. You think when you, uh, right now, I, I shared some of you earlier, I can barely go down the stairs because we did uh, laps at Statesville High School Friday morning at 5 a.m. too early. Uh, way too early. But stairs, like three laps, up and down, up and down. And I can barely go down stairs now because what's happening is those fibers are ripping, right? They're tearing, and then they're repairing themselves and building themselves back up. And for me, it's very painful right now. <laughs> but... Tomorrow, the next day, I'm going to be like, man, my quads feel good. I'm glad I did that. Because that's strengthening those leg muscles, strengthening them for more weight, hopefully not for me, uh, but strengthening them for the next trial, the next test, because it's going to be harder, right? And the same could be said for our lives. Our muscle fibers of faith, if you will, our moral fibers are strengthened, and sometimes they get little tears in them that Jesus just likes to come and mend back together and make that muscle stronger for our next challenge and our next task. Because God is committed to our spiritual development. And here's what I know. He's going to either allow some things to happen or He's going to create some opportunities to happen for spiritual development. And I'd rather be on that thing that says, Here I am, Lord, not... He has to do it without me, you know, being voluntarily or volunteering. So there's a couple of things today that we want to talk about how we can grow through adversity. And this is a couple of things that can help us navigate challenging times in our lives. And there's three points. We'll be brief today, but there's a couple of questions we need to ask ourselves. And when we're in a difficult season, the first question we can ask is this. Ask what 
not wine. Ask what, not wine. Because the tendency is this. Why me, God? Why does this always happen to me? Why? Why, why? Why did I mess up? Why did I have to be in this place? It's very easy to go there. But if we're not careful, we miss the what God wants us to learn. Because there's rarely a good answer to the why. And then we can get lost and miss the what. So what questions might look like this? What can I do differently next time? What do you want me to see, God, in this? What might area in my life might God want to bring growth? What way might God want to reveal His greatness to me and my family? You see, if I hadn't gone without a a job for two years and my wife had been part-time and just had a baby, we wouldn't know the dependence on God. And things would come in the mail and things would come in the bank account that we had no idea where they were coming from. But without the trust and dependence that that formed, we wouldn't have the faith and trust that He's going to provide. And, And I can tell you this, you can't know Him as provider unless you have had a need. You can't know Him as healer unless you've had a need. It's incredible how this works because all the names of God, the Jehovah's, if you will, in the Bible, all the names can be revealed to us. But we have to have a need and we have to know that God is the only person that can fulfill that need in our lives. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses says this, and we know that in all things God works together for what? For good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. You know, we are forced sometimes into a problem that's bigger than us. There's a quote that circles around a lot. We hear it all the time. God's not going to give you anything more than you can handle. Have you ever heard that? It's completely false. Terrible quote. People do that all the time. Don't judge me. You know, that's another terrible quote. The Bible says I can. Uh, Anyway... Um, sorry, had to. But the, 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 the quote today we're dealing with is this. God won't give you more than you can handle because God will always give you more than you can handle so you can be dependent on Him. Otherwise, why do we need God? If we can do it on ourselves and all our own power, we don't need God. That's the way our culture acts because we have it all. We provide it all. We can do everything we need. But until you've been in a place where you need Christ, you need Him, it says in the Bible, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do it all in Daniel's strength, right? I can't do it all in my strength. We have to rely on Him and His power. So sometimes we have to just come right out and say it. Adversity and infliction are needed in our lives. They strengthen our faith. They strengthen our trust. Hebrews 12 says this, For the moment... All discipline seems rather painful than pleasant, but it later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. One of the things that I struggle with is getting out of bed early in the morning. 5 o'clock, 4.30, doesn't really set well uh, with me, but I have to get used to that, right? And so that's one thing that I'm working on, if you will, Also, another thing I have to work on with discipline is eating better and exercising and all those great things that we need for our body. It's not pleasant, right? Just like my my legs are sore today. It's not pleasant. But the the fruit that it's going to later yield is going to be beneficial. I can think of this book. um, 
by General McRaven. He's a Navy SEAL. And the first chapter in the book says, if you want to change the world, make your bed every day. If you want to change the world, make your bed every day. What does that, what does that do? Well, it sets you with one thing that you accomplished early in the day already. I hate making my bed <laughs> all, all the time. But I've read this book, and it's an interesting thought. You can complete that task very early in the morning and get a sense of accomplishment later in the day. Look, when I go work out in the morning or run or exercise or whatever, it makes me feel better the rest of the day. I get more done. Why? Because it sets your day up for success. And that's exactly what the Scriptures is telling us here. All discipline seems painful at the time, but later what? It produces the good fruit. We've got to let God take control of our lives and ask the right questions of what instead of why. So not only that, but point number two today is this. In order to grow through adversity, we have to embrace the adversity. Don't curse it. We have to embrace it, not curse it. Because when challenging times come our way, we can grumble and complain, or we can choose to live on what side? The positive side. It's not easy to do, right? I'll admit, be the first person to admit. But if you curse the adversity, you'll either get stuck in the adversity or miss the benefit of being in the hard place. You might get stuck. I think in my own life, and maybe some of you would agree, if there was a skip or a fast-forward button, I'd press it through some of these difficult transitions and difficult times. I can tell you this, losing weight has been one of the hardest challenges I've ever faced in my life. You know, Losing 70 pounds has not been easy. It's much easier to go to Krispy Kreme and eat all you want because I can do that very simply. I can go to Waffle House. I can go to any restaurant. Don't even say any of them. I can go to all of them if it's, it's easy. But you know what? If I didn't chase the adversity and want the adversity, it's an addiction. It's a stronghold. It's something in your life that has power. And I'll even just take a moment today and say this. There's someone in this room recently that has had a celebration of an anniversary that someone has overcome adversity, and that's John Burford. John yesterday celebrated 12 months in his recovery from alcohol addiction. Somebody ought to praise the Lord on that one. He came up to me this morning and, and showed me his metal coin. Now, up until this point, it's been plastic, but now he's got a metal one. It's a little more valuable, and it means a little more. But let me tell you something. He pushed through the adversity. He's still pushing through the adversity. And I'm not out of the woods yet, and neither is he. Look, we've got to constantly embrace this adversity because it's a lifetime of accountability and a lifetime of struggle. But through Jesus, we can have life, we can have freedom, and the Bible says we can have life that's more abundant and fellowship with Him and others. So I just take a minute and say, if you're going through it, man, just keep on going. There's a song that says that. You know, if you're going through it, just keep on going. You know, and sometimes it does feel like the words of that song, right? But we keep on going. We press forward. James 1, 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, this is so countercultural right now. Would you know that? If you're offended or you go through a trial or a hard time, your goal in life is to make everybody else miserable around you. It's easy. It doesn't take much work to do, right? But that's not what our goal should be, and that's not what Scripture says. He says, count it joy 
when you go through a trial. Man, isn't that hard to do, John? When you're going through a trial, when you're in the mud, when you don't know what to do or where to turn, considering it joy is very tough. But the Bible tells us that we, if our faith, the testing of our faith produces perseverance. I can tell you that one of the stories that really appeals to me is the one of the little boy that was playing in the backyard and he found a cocoon. He was very excited. He ran in the house to tell mom. He said, Mom, Mom, look what I found. The mom runs outside in the backyard and says, Oh, honey, that's a beautiful cocoon. There's a caterpillar right inside of that cocoon transforming into a butterfly. The little boy was very excited, so he runs inside the house. He gets a pair of scissors. He comes outside and he starts cutting the cocoon. The mom says, Whoa, 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 don't do that. Don't you see the struggle that the caterpillar has to go through before he can break the cocoon is what allows him to transform into the butterfly that could fly. You see, if it wasn't for the pressure, if it wasn't for the transformation, if it wasn't for the adversity, the butterfly would die. And I think if I can compare that to our lives, sometimes we have to go through things that make us stronger, that allows us to fly and to carry God's gospel forward. Because if not, we would surely die. And it's the grace of God that gives us the strength to embrace the adversity, not to curse it. So the third point is this today. Worship through the adversity. Don't whine through it. It's very easy to whine when things are not going our way. You know, you, you may have a... <laughs> You may have a, a, a child like I do that might whine if they don't get their way. It's annoying. Right? Go outside. <laughs> it's, it's not easy when they complain and whine, but it's the same way, I think, sometimes with us. We can choose to complain and whine and bicker and argue, but we can choose to do something about it and make it better. I'm always uh, baffled by all the comments people write on social media and those kinds of things because it's like, you guys are wasting so much time writing and defending your point, but you're not doing anything about it. Do something about it. Shut up. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Let's quit talking about it and let's go put feet to the gospel and let's help people. Let's not just talk about it in church on a Sunday. Let's break down the doors of Statesville and do something about it. You know what I'm saying? Don't whine through it. Complaining leads to doubt. Whining leads to doubt. Well, if they're complaining, if they're whining, then, man, there's something big happening. I guess I ought to get worried. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. But take a look at this chart I found online today, or yesterday, rather. It's a, a meter. It says there on the left, I know it's hard to see. On the left side, it says you're a whining worshiper. It's a meter in there. And then the right side is a praising worshiper. But listen to some of these qualities for the whining side. Anger, haughty, overwhelmed, depressed, fear, resentment, discouragement, bitterness, blame, shame, denial, and guilt, feeling defeated. Those are all things that would happen when we start whining and complaining. But listen to the praise side. Clarity, trust, peace, anticipation, stability, hope, future, endurance, confidence, and purpose-filled. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my worship meter to be on the praising side. I want my life to be on that side that says, God, I have confidence in you. Even though I don't see a way, there is a way with you. 
God, I don't know how I'm going to handle this, but I know that all things are possible through Christ who gives me strength. So we change our focus when we worship through the adversity. When we choose to worship through adversity, we change our focus. It's different. It isn't on the small, trivial things. It's on the bigger picture. Have you ever been around somebody that always focuses on the small stuff and misses out on the huge blessings? Man, they're so focused on that little thing that went wrong and they miss that huge, huge thing. It's easy for me to do that when it comes to a service as far as I'll just be completely transparent. I've ran technical production for years before here and it's very easy for me to focus on those small things and miss the whole picture. It's easy for me to miss, an, oh man, I didn't hit the mute button at the right time or the volume wasn't just right or this or the other and I missed the fact that three people got saved. It's easy to beat yourself up because, man, I did that one thing that just wasn't so right. But here's the cool thing. We change our focus because we focus on the wrong stuff. Focus on huge blessings and a fresh focus of God will, will do that. So the first thing is change our focus. The second thing is change our attitude. Because our focus is different, a source of joy becomes different and our attitude changes. It's easy for us to, to be sad or upset about these things. But when our attitude begins to shift, we are happier. We have a better outlook. And we say, God really might can do this. You know, a couple months ago we shared a sermon uh, that I talked about having a, a faithfulness journal, if you will. It shows the faithfulness of God. And I've got a notepad on my phone that shows things and miracles in my life that God did. And it's nice to go back and read those and refresh ourselves with that perspective and that attitude that God can move mountains and He will do it again. So two is change our attitude. And then three is open the way for God's presence and power. And Christian, you can come. But did you know that our focus, our perspective, and our outlook can open the way for God's presence and power to move more in our lives? You know, think about it this way. If we say this, I'm not qualified, I don't know enough, I'm not smart enough, if the pastor had done this or that, or if my mom or dad had shown me this, we begin to believe it. Look, I've lived that for years. I know. Or we can say it this way, I'm going to study to show myself approved. I'm going to learn God's Word because it's right here in front of me. I'm going to hide it into my heart so that I might not sin against God. God created me in His image, therefore I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. And we start to tell ourselves these promises and these truths of Scripture that encourage us and it changes our perspective, but it also opens the way for God's power to move in our own life, in our own community, in our own city, our state, our nation. When we open our way up, it changes things when we open ourselves up to God's way. So no matter our situation, we can still worship the Lord in all circumstances. Habakkuk 3 says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Listen to that. Stop right there. That's basically every livelihood that you can have in the Middle East. No olives, no fruit, no grape. No wine, no fields, no livestock. What else is there? Not a whole lot but dirt. Right? Listen to that. They lost everything. But then the next part of this says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord. 
How many of you today would choose to rejoice in the Lord, even in the midst of a difficult circumstance? It's tough for me to even ask that question because I can complain and whine just like everybody else, right? I think that's a human tendency. And we have to work hard through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that. This last quote by Pastor Rick Warren again says this, Regardless, regardless of the cause, none of your problems can happen without God's permission. Everything that happens to a child of God is father-filtered, and he intends to use it for good, even when Satan and others mean it for bad. How awesome is that? The God of the universe filters what we go through. I'm glad for that. But God, today, change my attitude. Change my perspective. Help me to not whine, but to worship through adversity. And sometimes there's, quite frankly, things in our lives we don't know where to, what to do. We don't know what's next. We have no idea. I think we're all kind of in that season right now. I don't, I don't know what to do. God, what do you got going on here? All I can tell you is it's something big. It's something huge. Because God's pouring out His Spirit. God's moving mightily. Let's stand together today. So how do we grow through adversity? Well, the first thing is we ask the what, not the why. We embrace the adversity. We don't curse it. And then lastly, we worship through the adversity. We don't whine through it. And I'll again close with this verse. Even though those things don't grow, there's no grapes on the vine, the olive crop fails, there's no sheep in the pen, there's no livestock. Yet, the last part of that verse says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your word. God, it's powerful. and It even is sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And God, today, I pray that even me right now, that you would begin to touch my heart. Show me things, Lord, that would change my perspective, my outlook, and my attitude. God, that I would worship you through these adverse situations. That I would find ways, God, to give you glory and praise uh, through these situations. And God, today I pray a special blessing over our congregation. God, as they face situations in life, not only at church, but at home. God, with families, God, with children, with schools, uh, with politics, God, with, with work and jobs and everything we have going on in our lives, God. I pray that you would be the center. God, that you would show us the way that, God, there might not be another way. Highlight that in everyone's life right now. Even prophetically, I speak today, there's someone here, God, that has a situation in their life. They don't know where to turn. I pray that you would begin to highlight a straight path. God, light and illuminate that path in their life. God, right now, just begin to show them the way. And even today, Lord, they would know where to go because of your great grace and love for us. So, God, today I ask that you would just give us the courage and the boldness to share your gospel to the whole world, just like we talked about earlier. God, today there's people that are hurting, that are broken, that need a voice of love and compassion. And I pray that not only could we talk about it, but we could show it. God, and we could... Tell the world that we are your disciples, the Bible says, because we have love one for another. And so God, help us today to keep that right.
perspective, even though we're going through a bad, maybe what seems like a bad time, but it's actually really a good time, uh, God, in your eyes. And we ask for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.